Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, uh, thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast 2021. We're back. I'm really excited to have uh, my next guest who was on, geez, like two years ago, year and a half ago, Allie. So thanks for coming back. It's uh, Allie, the CEO and founder of Hub, but also you still run Dynamic Events. Is that correct? Yeah, both really interesting businesses to be a part of over the last year with, with COVID and the change of our industries. Oh yeah. And I want to get into that because, you know, events are near and dear to my heart. I I run a series of very small meetings and I've seen you out on LinkedIn and, and really leading the charge of this, this transformation of events. And I guess that'd be a good place to start, you know, looking back, geez, almost a year ago where we've been in this, this long, how was it when it all went down as someone in the event industry, you know, with clients, serving clients that have big events, um, how was it for you? One word would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of people in meetings and events are type A project managers, know what to expect, put in the work and it'll all happen. And I've, I've never seen anything like it. You know, in business, people often ask you, how is your business recession proof? And that's a pretty common question. Never once in all of my years did anyone ask, how is your business pandemic proof? Mm. And I think and proven that those are two totally different things. Yeah. And that transition can be tough, but transition really just equals opportunity. And so I think there was this moment where we started to see early indicators because our our customers are running some of the largest events in the world. And so Mm -hmm. we started to see early indicators in February of really large events being canceled. And, you know, there were a lot of people saying, oh, it's fine. It's going to be like the 2008 crash where everything just sort of, you know, comes back really quickly. But the impact of what we were seeing happen, I didn't see that coming back very quickly. Mm. And even now, almost a year later, you still hear people saying, oh, I'm just battening down the hatches. I'm waiting for live events to come back. And I look at them and say, okay, but the world is a different place. You know, how we learn, how we communicate, how we network, all of those things are so far different that we have to think about how we adapt in meetings and events. And so there was a short while where I was terrified and I stomped my feet and I cried a lot and I was frustrated and I didn't have a clue what was going on. And I allowed myself to grieve the change, but then very quickly said, okay, how do we come out of this? How do we look at this as an opportunity to be able to change the way that events impact business? And, and how can Hub play a role in helping to transform our industry? You said something really interesting. You said allowing yourself the time 
to grieve. Like, so, you know, that implies that a a stage of that is it's over. And Mm -hmm. so I think you have the foresight to say like, this is not going to, yeah, just let's sit on our thumbs. It's going to come back. Right. This is really a transformation. Um, so, you know, fast forward, I hate to fast forward nine months with so much has happened, but, um, what are some of the learnings you can share about just the meetings and really how people are doing business with through those? You know, when people thought about virtual events prior to COVID, they thought nineties video game, you know, yeah. <laughs> not, not really a lot to be gained in a, in a virtual event. And there really hadn't been a lot of technology innovation because live events were where it was at, right? It's about creating that connection, that experience. Uh, and we didn't know how to do that virtually. And so I think when all of this happened, everyone panicked and said, I can't do this. I don't have the skill set. I don't even know what virtual event platforms there are. I don't like, will people even attend? And well, you saw a lot of webinars happening. A lot of people saying, attend my quote virtual event, which was a 90 minute webinar or a three, God forbid, a three hour webinar. <laughs> and I went out and said, why, why are we limiting ourselves to this? Events happen because we're creating experiences for people. We're creating emotional connection. We're creating community. And so how do we look at this as an opportunity to be able to do those same things? Yes, it's in a new environment, but the strategy behind why we host events, how we host events, you know, the business metrics behind it are all the same. So how do we just reapply that in a different way? Mm. And what I found in our industry is that there were just a lot of people stuck because of fear. And as soon as they went back to their, oh, I know how to do this. Okay. So now instead of being in a physical venue, it's going to be in a Zoom room or in a virtual event platform. But I still need to think about what's the theme? How do I connect people? And so there was this transformation for me personally, and, and the way I got over it was by saying, our industry is falling apart. Everyone is calling me and saying, I probably am not going to have a job. 70% of the meetings industry is furloughed or out of work right now. Wow. And so it, they needed to gain experience and to gain skill sets that allowed them to be able to stop to talk strongly to the executive team about how events can still help the business to move forward. Right. And so we decided to throw a virtual event and to allow people to get hands-on. And so from the moment I had the idea to the actual event date was less than six weeks. I I saw you post on LinkedIn and and I was like, and it went like, it was a big event, right? It was a big event. We had 5,000 meeting planners from 60 different countries. And this was back in May. So this was, you know, everything started to happen in March, April. And then we had this event in May. And part of that was I put my meeting planner hat on. And this is as a founder and as someone that has spent my entire career in meetings and events, this was probably the most rewarding thing I have ever done Mm. in my career because I was able to share with people, this is how I thought about planning the event. This is the experiences that I brought together. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. Here's the data I'm measuring. Mm. This is what I would do differently in the future. It was like kimono wide open. Let me tell you everything. And the event was ran on Hub's platform. And so, but I, I looked at it and said, I'm going to be completely independent here and tell people exactly what they need to do. And the response from that is I've gotten handwritten letters and emails still to this day of people saying, I didn't feel like I could. And then I came and I got my hands on, I learned so much. There was so much transparency, so much connection. 
And so they were able to then take that and look at how they then transform their own events. And there has been a lot of value of, of switching to virtual because in the past in our live events, we threw events with our own notion of this is why people come. A right. lot of we didn't know what people did. And if we wanted to know how much time they were spending in sessions versus how much time they spent in the meal hall talking to people versus how much time they spent in the exhibit hall, we didn't know that unless you spent millions of dollars on RFID technology yeah. and you know, and then people didn't want to be tracked. Mm-hmm. Now I look at that and say, we're sitting on a gold mine. We now know what are people doing? How do they get value? What are they engaging with? How do we help facilitate connection? And so it's just a completely new world. And we're able to globalize our brands. We're able to globalize our messages. Lead generation is way up. Even if they don't actually attend the virtual event, you're still generating leads for the sales team. And so there is so much that has really forced meetings and events into a digital revolution. I think something that has been coming for quite a while, but held a lot of resistance. And even as we think about the future of hybrid, because I do think that hybrid will be the future, I still see predominant um, being put into the virtual experience and the actual in-person being much more curated, much more mm. of a personalized experience for people because we found that we can do things online. We don't yeah. have to be in person. And I think that's been a big revelation for people just in their day-to-day lives, much less in events. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, for someone like me and some of my people I know and peers, it's allowed you to step back and say, like you were saying, what's the the real reason we're doing this. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it's not to say we're just an event person, like the business reason of connecting people and that value. And I'm, I'm, that's been so refreshing for, for me. And fortunately we have platforms like yours and all the other, you know, the ones that are, are out there where it's, it's folks that aren't technological savvy. Right. Um, like me, I'm not, sometimes it's, it's been really great. So, so where do you, um, as far as leading your team through this, because you have, you're the leader, you have that mindset and you're, you know, you made that transition, but communicating that. And for some of these folks, I assume have been in the event industry for a long time. How was that? Terrifying would just still remain my yeah. word, you know, yeah. um, it, it required a lot of transparency. I mean, we went into March and we literally had no sales and no renewals. No one knew what was going on. And you see your cash dwindling super quick without a hope of knowing what's going to happen. And we had to furlough almost our entire team. We mm. put everyone on shared work and we, we didn't know when we were going to be able to bring them back because just nothing was happening in the industry. Yeah. And as a leader, you know, often it's your role to lead when times are tough, you know, when things are just normal business. Okay, fine. You know, that's, it's a role, but when things are really tough, when they are terrifying, that's when you have to step up and you have to inspire people. And it's hard to do that when you're triggered yourself personally and professionally. So how'd you do it? (laughs) You know, it, it, it was for me, leading with authenticity is the most important thing. I cried in the meeting Mm -hmm. and I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but as a leader, here is what I'm going to be watching to see signs of things coming back. It is scary. It is terrifying. We don't know what's going to happen right now. No one does, you know, getting into a meeting and telling people a bunch of BS, 
that does nothing but break your credibility. Yeah. I mean, I could have gone on there and been like, it's going to be fine. It's all going to come back in 30 days. You know, you guys, your, your break is going to be really small. You're going to get unemployment. Right. But what would that do besides have people look at me and in their heads go, well, she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so for me, it was, I'm scared and I've never been through this before. And our industry is totally unraveling. However, here's the plans that we can put in place to measure what we could be doing that would mean success, that would be early indicators of things coming back. And so every week I'm committing to you to sending an email update of where the industry stands and where we stand on these metrics so that you know when things are going to come back. And so that was literally weekly communication with people of this is what's happening. These are the signs that we're seeing. And we started to bring people back. We didn't bring everyone back at the same time. And we told people that here's the indicators. This is what we need to be doing to set the company up for success. So we're going to bring these people in this team back. And then next week, we're going to revisit whether that was successful and bring these people back. So it was a very phased approach, but with total transparency, because people need to know what to expect. If they know there's a plan, they know the real story, they don't create one in their own head and we retain all of our talent through that. And that's an amazing accomplishment thinking about you know, everyone was scrambling going, do I need to get out of events? Do I need to get out of this company? Who the hell knows what's going to go on? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's, a, it's, it really is about communication. It's kudos to you. And it's such great insight. And I could just envision you being, this like a, you being like a wartime general, right? Like during this <laughs> yeah. thing. And I think a lot of your, your peers that founded companies, lead companies are did the same thing, but I also saw some folks kind of just disappear, <laughs> you know, some leaders just, they went the other way, just like, hey, we're just going to sit this out for six months. Right. I think that was just unfortunately probably a death blow to a, a lot of that. So um, once you did that and got through it and, you know, here we are, did you stop to take inventory of yourself just as leading an organization and how much you've been through and what you can do for your, yourself, mm-hmm. um, some self-care things? Um, what, yeah. what was that like? You know, we can't give to others if we aren't in a place of calm ourselves. And I mentioned the process of grieving. We applied for PPP and the first round of PPP, the bank said, yeah, you're set. And then they, once everything ran out, they called us back and said, we made a mistake and we actually didn't get plan numbers back. So while we told you you were approved, you didn't get for both companies, you didn't get funded. And that's such, I mean, I I didn't know how I was going to get through that. And to think about then going and talking to the team and telling them we didn't get this, this was our lifeline. There was a lot that I had to do to be ready to have that conversation. And grieving was a big piece of it. It really was. I think as leaders, sometimes we're like, we're going to push through this and we're going to get through it. And that's definitely my mentality, but sometimes when you do that, you don't actually grieve the loss. And so all you're doing is pushing it to the background. Yeah. And so for me, it was, I, I spent a night like stomping my feet and being angry and acting like a two-year-old and telling myself <laughs> it was okay to do that. And the next yeah. day I woke up and I actually felt a lot lighter because I, I had grieved it and I had let it go. And let it go. Yeah. 
I also then said, what do I need to be able to show up for people? Because it's emotionally draining. I mean, I had one-on-one conversations with each person checking in with them and their family and high risk people that were so terrified. And I wanted to be able to be present, but that takes so much energy. And so I blocked my calendar and every Thursday at 6am, I'd leave my house and I would hike a mountain and I blocked, I wouldn't come back to work until like three o'clock in the afternoon. And those moments for me, I had to know myself and what gave me energy, but it was the silence. It was being able to process. It was being able to think when I'm not surrounded by all the emails and all the negativity and all the things that I have to accomplish. And so for me, it, you know, some people looked at that and said, what the hell you're going through this crazy time period. And, you know, you you don't know what's going on and you should be there focused on your company. And my comment was, I absolutely am because I'm giving myself the space and the time to think and the energy to be able to give back in a massive capacity. I mean, that takes a lot of courage to do that. And uh, kudos again to you for doing that. And to get that space. Cause like I said, it's easy to just keep going and being inundated all day long. So, um, well, there's a couple more questions. Al, this has been really valuable. Um, I'm assuming your team's still remote. Uh, I know you had a, a beautiful office space in Vancouver. I, I got the chance to go to a couple years ago, how uh, every kind of leaders has their own thoughts on that and engagement. I know you're very, uh, you over communicate what sounds like that's a great for this kind of remote work, um, that we're doing now. So how's that been with for your employees and adjusted to it? Yeah. You know, our people champion, her name is Nancy and she is really focused on how we create a culture of connection, even when we're not in person. And it's new for us. We've never done that. I, we have been so much about the in-person interaction and the, you know, I, I am a person where I don't sit at my desk. I literally am walking around all day (laughs) and talking to people and engaging and, it was very different, but what we found is you just have to be intentional and you have to really figure out for your team, for the people that are with you, how do they feel valued? We've hired probably over 40 people and we've never met them. Wow. <laughs> you know, thinking about doing that and how do those people feel? How do they feel a part of the culture? And so we don't have a physical office space anymore. We did move into that beautiful space and it's a gorgeous office. If anyone's looking for an office, it was the perfect (laughs) space to move into. Um, But, you know, we looked at that and our employees said, we're actually getting more done. We're able to um, focus a little bit better than being worried about health or safety while we're in an office. And we, again, constantly communicate with them. How do you feel about going back to an office? Do you want to go back to an office? We ended up giving stipends to every person so that they could order food if they wanted or pay for their internet. And, you know, that uh, contributed to their quality of life. And so we heard very loudly we don't want to be back in an office. We can work remote and everyone puts just as much effort as Nancy is in creating that culture of connection. We have, um, we call it Friday Fika, which is where everyone just comes together in a big Microsoft Teams call and cool. stories. And we've got Monday morning coffee where people are coming in, like, you know, they're sharing pictures and what they did over the weekend. And so there's a lot of ways that we've focused on still connecting in a really strong way and not needing to be in person as much and instead taking some of the those costs and now once we're able to get back in person safely we're going to do quarterly outings like going whitewater rafting all together or bring our families together for an overnight somewhere cool. and so really being intentional about how we're connecting human to human 
And, you know, being a tech-enabled company, very easy to get our work done. So it's more about how are we connecting? How are we creating a culture that people want to be a part of? And that really has to do with the human-to-human connection. So we're just focusing in a different way. Yeah, and it, always, it all comes back to that. That's the yeah. business we're in, right? So, Ali, thanks so much for rejoining the podcast. And it's just great to hear your story that um, and the continued success. So um, looking forward to see where you hub goes from here. Thanks, Dan. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. 